I'm going to start at Numbers chapter 24. Numbers chapter 24. When you find that, let us stand and uh, hold your place over in Esther. We'll be over in just a little bit. But I want to give you this this morning to try, try to help you and, and give you some guidance in what God wants us to do. In Numbers chapter 24, if you read your Bible and you're familiar with this story, this man named Balaam has been called by the king named Balak. He wants him to curse God's people as they're traveling through the wilderness, going to the promised land. You know the story. It's the story of a couple of chapters early, if you read it. The donkey begins to speak in a man's voice to this man. Now, I know some of the wives here think they've been hearing donkey speaks for years, but let me just... Let's don't go there. It, it doesn't happen every day that you run into a donkey and he starts talking to you. But we find there's these prophecies that Balaam makes that is spot on. Verse number 15. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Berotham said unto the man whose eyes are open have said, he hath said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High which saw the vision of Almighty falling into trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not now. And he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. There shall come out of a star, out of Jacob, and a scepter where shall rise out of Israel, and there shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Seth. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. Thank you this morning for all that you've done. We thank you for your mercy and grace and love. We thank you for what you do. Help us to encourage and help us to be a shining light. Lord, like this star here, let us shine brightly, Father. We'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. There are two things that Balaam said about Jesus in his text. There are two words that he called him. And you know these words are specifically dealing with him because they're capitalized. Everywhere you find the word scepter in the Bible is a small s, but here it is a capital S. But it's likely, uh, here is likely who's coming to be a living star of a living person. You know the Bible calls Jesus the day star which shall arise and healing in his wings. Uh, he is the light of God. He is the one that shines in the darkness of our sins and, and lights our lights up and calls us out of that darkness and this light changes our life forever and more. Amen. But I'm, glad, I'm interested in this word scepter. A scepter is a symbol of a lot of things. A scepter is a symbol of uh, power. Uh, kings throughout the Old Testament would have a scepter. It could be even ranged from three feet long to one foot long, even as big as a shepherd's hook. And, and there would be an anointment and ornaments on top of it. And what that scepter represented uh, was power. It, it said that whoever held this scepter, whoever had a hold of this scepter, had the power. And usually kings would hold this scepter, and that king would have the power of all his kingdom, and all those who came through his kingdom, he ruled over them. But we're not only do we find in our story not only the scepter is a symbol of power, but it's a symbol of a person. It gives a capital S, the scepter. 
It says the scepter shall rise out of Israel. The, the Lord Jesus Christ is literally calling Jesus the scepter. Can I say Jesus is a symbol of God's power this morning? 1 Corinthians 1.24 said Christ, the power of God. He is the visible power of the invisible God this morning. Jesus Christ came. They saw his power. They saw him open the blinded eyes. They healed the lame. He raised the dead. They saw the power of God in Jesus this morning. He went to the tomb. He went to the cross and went to the tomb and rose again on the third day. That's the power of God. And then he ascended back to the glory of heaven. That's the power of God. He was the visible symbol of the power of God this morning. Can I say this morning that he's still the visible symbol of the power of God for you and I this morning. If you know him and if you uh, served him and you've been touched by him, you know the power of God this morning. Look at Esther. Not only is the power and, and as a person, uh, uh, but he, when we come to Esther, we find that we take all these things into account. It's a symbol of pardon this morning. It's pardon and peace this morning. Uh, the scepter was a symbol of a king giving pardon, uh, the king giving peace this morning. When you study the book of Esther, you'll find that in all the chapters of Esther, God's name is not mentioned. This is the only book in the Bible where Esther is, is the only one that the name of God is not even mentioned in there. But you can see God woven throughout every chapter and every one of these people's lives. God is working in different areas and different aspects of these people's life. I'm glad we don't see his name. We see the unseen hand moving throughout this chapter, throughout this book in Esther. Changing things, shaping things, moving things. We see God in it, the invisible God's hand moving in this life. Can I say this many times in your life? There has been this way, you have not been able to see God, you're not able to find God, uh, you don't know where God's at, but when you start looking around at your life, uh, you can see that unseen hand of God moving in your life, protecting you, moving your way, and guiding you, and God is through that, is giving you life nobody else could do it for. When you look back in life, say, how in the world could that happen? Couldn't nobody do it but God this morning. The visible power of the un invisible God this morning. I, I find that when you read throughout each chapter, of the sovereignty of God. We find that in chapter 1, Queen Vesta doesn't come in before the king and the king denotes her. And he said, I'm going to find me another queen. What's all that about? God is looking way down in the future. 
He said, there's some people that's coming up against my people. <laughs> I've got to put somebody in place. I've got to put somebody in their pathway. I've got to give them hope. If they don't have this person, there ain't no hope. I'm telling you, God looked down. He says, I've got a plan. I've got a way. I've got a guidance. And if you don't get a hold of it, there's something's going to happen. He said, I looked down and saw a need. Can I tell you, God sees your life from the very beginning to the very end. He knows every need in your life. He knows every place to bring that need and provide that need in your life. Sometimes we get off track and we go another way and we miss that place where God said, if you get right here, I'll bless you. I'll bless you right here. But we want to do it our own way, go our own path, and we wonder why God is not around us, why God is not even blessing us. Get a hold of God. In chapter 2, we find that she comes before the king and finds favor in his eyes. All of the virgins in the land, who you recognize did that? God. God working over and over. We, we see God in His sovereignty. We also see God in His star. Who is the star? Esther. The name Esther means morning star. Star. We see God moving. Even though we don't see God's name, we see God in Esther. When you look at her testimony, when you look at her conduct, you, you'll see how sweet of a spirit she had. You can see God all over this woman's life. Can anybody look at your life this morning and say, I see God in that lady. I, I see God in that man. I see how they walk. I see how they talk. They down at the job. They don't look like everybody else. They're not talking like everybody else. They're not cussing and throwing a fit like everybody else. They're not laughing at things everybody else. Can people see God in you this morning? Because you are the ones that's going to make a difference in somebody's life down the pathway. That's why we need to pray that God fill us with your spirit. I, I want to be filled with your spirit. There are people that depends on seeing me acting the way you want me to act. Not the way the world acts. I see God in that star. Our, our Bible tells us our job is to shine as lights. Where's to shine as lights? We, we see Jesus not only in the star and his sovereignty, but we see him in the scepter. That word scepter is mentioned four times in the book of Esther. And we'll look at all four of them this morning. Preaching on the scepter that saves. The scepter that saves. Look at chapter 4 of Esther. Chapter 4 of Esther. Verse number four. I hope you get this the way I see this. I hope you open up your mind, let God get in your mind. So, you know, what he's trying to tell you, 
It's the truth. It's the truth. I'm afraid for our country. I'm afraid for our people. I'm afraid for our churches today. Because we're losing people left and right. But we could be a shining star in this world. So Esther's maid, verse number four, Esther's maid and her chamberlains came and told her, Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him. But he received it not. Then called Esther for Hachet, one of the king's chamberlains, came he whom he had appointed to attend to her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hachet went forth to Mordecai unto the streets of the city which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of the, all that had happened unto him and the sons, some of the money, and the Haman had promised to pay the king's treasury for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given to Shunah to destroy them, to show it to Esther and declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go into the king to make supplication unto unto him and to make requests before him for her people. The scepter establishes a connection. Do you see what we just read? We read this, nobody can come before the king. Nobody can have contact with the king. Nobody can approach the king. Nobody can see the king's face unless he becomes a mediator. There is something that has to be extended from the king to you. If there's going to be a connection between you and the king, you can't just walk into the king's uh, and say, grab him by hold of him and say, Hey, king, here, king uh, God bless you. How you doing today? Uh, I'm sure I'm glad you told me that. Uh, no, you will lose your head if you walk into the court of the king and he's not summoned for you. The only way Esther can see the king's face unless something is extended out to her. Something brings her into connection with the king. If that connection has not been extended from Esther, she cannot get to the king. The Bible said in Exodus 33, when Moses wanted to see the uh, God, he said, God, I, I want you to show me your glory. And God said, no man can see my face and live. Moses, you can't come near me. If you get near me, you will die. I am the king of glory. People can't approach me like that. Here we find in 1 Timothy chapter 6, God dwells in the light which no man can approach unto. He is a high and holy God. That sinners like you and I just cannot get a hold of. We cannot reach out. We cannot touch him. The Bible says that are a pure eyes and that they behold evil. I'm talking about a holy, righteous, sovereign God that no man can look upon. No man can come into his presence in their own righteousness. Filthy rags of sin, and we want to go before a highly uh, holy God. 
So how are we supposed to get to God? How are we supposed to get to God? If man can't see Him, if man can't reach Him, man can't get to Him, how should we supposed to establish a connection with God? How can we establish a connection from a holy God with a fallen race of man? There's got to be a mediator. There's got to be a mediator. There's got to be something that has been extended. Something, the, the glory of God has to, uh, are you picking up what I'm saying? The king has to extend something, the glory of God to hold something out. There's got to be somebody that bridges the gap. There's got to be somebody that fills in the blanks. It, it, it. I ain't good enough to get to God on my own. I ain't holy enough to get to God on my own. I ain't righteous enough to get to God on my own. But I will tell you what the Bible said in John. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. The Bible said that Jesus is a visible part of the invisible God. He is the express image of God. You say, how in the world can we establish a connection between a sinner man like we and an upright holy God? I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how he is connected. God extended his scepter. God held out his scepter. <laughs> he said, who was the scepter? Jesus Christ. He says, I've done it for you. It was the cross at Calvary. The, that God's holding out the scepter. Saying, you can't get to me, but I can get to you. Uh, I can't come uh, where you are. You can't come to where I'm at. But I've got something in between you and I. I've got somebody that's mediating for you and I. I've got somebody that's going to stand in the gap. I've got somebody that's going to fill in the gap. I've got my son. He's coming down for you and I. Then you'll have that connection to God. Hmm. I'm worried. I'm worried. How can you come into contact with God unless God extends the sceptre? When God looks down at man, he sends a sinful man. God extended something down to lay hold of to make that connection for you and I. His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. He sends him to this lost, dying world and died upon a cross. He said, if you want fellowship with me, it must be through him. If you want my peace, it must be through him. If you want a connection with me, it must be through him. That, that's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We come together in the name of Jesus. We celebrate the name of Jesus. We lift up that name of Jesus. And we close our prayers in the name of Jesus. I know that these world, uh, they said you can't use the name of Jesus. I'm just telling you, that is the only name by which man can be saved. It was the name above all names. Let me tell you what, you go ahead and live the way you're living right now. And if Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, hell's going to be your home. 
I'm worried about our people this morning. You know, can I say this? You can go to a major event and pray in God's name and nobody will say a thing. You can pray in Allah's name. Nobody will say a thing. You can pray in Buddha's name. Nobody will say a thing. I was invited to go to an event in Florida. And it was opened up at a new place. And they asked me, would you come and pray? I said, sure. He said, but uh, we don't want you to pray in the name of Jesus. I said, I understand you. I hear you. So they called me up, and I went up there, and I bowed my head. I said, Lord Jesus, <laughs> we're come before you right now. Hey. Went all through that, and I says, in the name of Jesus, I pray. And you want to talk, you how people go, ooh. I had people come and say, I can't believe you did that. Did what? Jesus is the only name that you speak that people hates this morning. They don't like that name. They don't want to hear that name. Why does, why does this world hate the name of Jesus? Because it points out their sins and it shows them just how bad they are because Jesus takes shining light, looks into that dark, depravity sin of your life and it shows you just how filthy you are. I'm worried about people this morning. Word. God extends that, establishes that connection between God and Himself and us. The Bible says, To wit, with the God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. God ex- didn't extend the scepter, God was the scepter. God extended Himself. To godless people like you and I. It was not man's blood that was shed on the cross of God. They say that blood ain't no better than my blood. Ain't no different than my blood. I beg the difference with you. When that blood across the cavalry was shed, that was royal blood. That was God's blood. And I can't do what that blood can do. My blood can't wash you clean. My blood cannot forgive you your sins. It's that holy blood of God that washes us clean. Yeah, there's something different about that blood. You you get that blood on you. (laughs) It's something different about that blood. You need to be bathed in that blood. You need to be washed in that blood. Amen. Acts 20, 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, unto all the flock of which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. God purchased the. You are. God paid a price for you that no man in this world would ever pay a price for you. God paid a price for him. Look at verse number 16. It, it ends condemnation. The scepter ends condemnation. It, it, it saves, not only establishes the connection, but it ends our condemnation. I, the text that we just read, Esther said, I, I go before the king because he, if he doesn't hold out that scepter out, I'm dead. Look what Esther said in chapter 4, verse 16. 
Go gather together all the Jews that are represented in Shunem. And fast ye for me. And neither eat nor drink three days, neither days or night. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go unto the king, which he is not according to the law. If I perish, I perish. The reason why she said that is in verse number 14. Mordecai comes and said, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise in the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to this kingdom? For such a time is this. He said, maybe you have been brought for this sole purpose by ending the condemnation and touching that scepter. Can I say right here, maybe the whole reason you are sitting here this morning, maybe you have been brought to this church right here for this morning for such a time as this, for such a time that uh, God had ended your condemnation that you got in your heart. You're under the hand of God and God is touching you. He's reaching out. He's extending you something. And all you got to do is grab a hold of it. She says, you know what? I'm dead either way if this don't work out right. The decree is already said let's destroy all Jews. So what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? If you read the book of Esther, this is what you know. The name Haman is a picture of the Satan himself. He has been working behind the scenes to, uh, to doom and condemn Esther and all her people. She's already condemned. She just ain't dead yet. She just ain't dead yet. If you read the first couple of chapters, the sentence was already been passed on her. It's already been assigned. The greed has already been signed. Said, you're dead. Your people are dead. It just ain't happened yet. It's like people sitting in church today. They're sitting in condemnation. They're dead. It just ain't happened yet. Your sins still hold you down. It's weighing you down. You're dead. It just ain't happened yet. Him that believeth not is condemned already, the Bible says. You're condemned already. You're not waiting for for, uh, condemnation. You've already been condemned by God this morning. Sentence has already been passed. Judgment now has to be executed and has not been executed yet. If you die in your condition unsaved, then judgment will be passed upon you. Just like Esther, she's already condemned. Judgment has just not been executed yet. But she realizes that she doesn't want to get judged. I don't want to get condemned. So what does she do? She has to run to the scepter. Chapter 5, verse number 2. If it was so, when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. 
That's what happened to me. <laughs> For some reason, God looked down on me. I was a dirty, rotten, scoundrel sinner. Lost on my way to hell. Didn't care about the things of God. Didn't want the things of God. Didn't even want a part of God. But God still reached out for me. And when I realized how bad I was and where I was going, I'm already condemned. The execution just ain't happened yet. I'm dead. I'm on my way to hell. I reached out to God. And I reached out and touched that scepter of God. And he, woo! Praise the Lord. She said, I'm condemned already. But if I find favor in his sight, he will extend that scepter and I can reach out and grab a hold of it. You, can I say this? Can you imagine all the wailing in heaven when judgment is executed? All they had to do was reach out for the scepter. Jesus Lay hold of that. Well, I thought I was good enough. I, 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 I haven't killed anybody. I haven't got drunk lately. I haven't done drunk up lately. I, I, I think all my good works might outweigh my bad works. Can you imagine? The one that was extended to you. Now you're standing in front of him. And now he's your executor. <laughs> and all you had to do was reach out and grab a hold of that scepter. All you had to do was come to the altar. Lord, here I am. I'm nothing but a dirty, rotten sinner. I'm no good. It's not me, but it's the blood of Jesus. I want to reach out and grab a hold of it. And reach out and grab a hold of it. And guess what? Your condemnation is over with. Therefore, there is no condemnation in those that believe in Jesus Christ. But you've got to reach out. You've got to grab a hold of that. She says, what, what have I got to lose? <laughs> if he don't extend the scepter out to me, I'm dead. But if I don't take a step and do something, I'm dead. Chapter 5, verse 1. It said, Esther put on her royal apparel. See, we, we dress up to come to church, don't we? We want to put out on our best. We want to look good, smell good. We think we, we think we can cover up our sins with our suits and our smelly stuff, and we look pretty good. But some of us are still rotten inside. Some of us are still filthy inside. Well, she got dressed up and put on a royal apparel to go before the king. She's probably saying, you look, if he don't extend the scepter to me, I'm dead. I might as well look good when I'm dying. I'm dead. The king sat upon his royal throne, the royal house against the gate of the house, and she obtained favor in his sight. And he held out the scepter that was in his hand. But it is doing her no good 
Look at the end of verse number two. She reaches out. She reaches out. Grabs a hold of him. As the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in hand, so Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. You say, what did that do? It got her request listened and answered to. What request? It shall be given to thee half of the kingdom. She finally gives her request in chapter 7, verse number 3. It's the same request when I got saved. Then Esther Queen answered and said, I have found favor in thy sight, O king. If it pleases this king, let my life be given to thee as a petition. And my people as a request. For we are sold. I and my people to be destroyed, to be slain, and to be perished. But if he had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I have held my tongue. Although every enemy could come controversial against the king's damage, if they kept reading, you'll find that the king pardons the condemnation of Esther. Because it was that scepter that was out and she grew it. Condemnation's over with. She was granted her request. I don't know about you, but I'll never get over the day myself like Esther saw herself as a condemned, worthless, no good sinner, doomed and dying, going to hell. I was under condemnation. I saw myself dying and going to hell. Without God, I knew I had to do something. I came before Jesus, not in myself. I called on the name of Jesus. I invoked the name of Jesus. I reached out and held onto the scepter of faith and gave to God. I had been accepted into the family. A partaker of Christ. Esther made her request. The king makes the first move. He held the scepter out and she bows and moves. He extended mercy to her. She'd reached out and grab a hold of it. The king extends his scepter. How do you know that, preacher? He said in verse, and said in Second Corinthians, "We beseech you, by us, we pray, you and Christ be steadfast, you reconcile God." Can I can I say this morning? God is here in spirit this morning. Amen. I, I believe that, no doubt in my mind. God's not going to show up in person. God's not going to show up in person and say, "Hey." I'm extending myself to you. That's why I got people like me. We preach the word of God and we're doing the same thing. We're extending that scepter to God. It's not my scepter. It's not what I've done. But I'm just telling you what Jesus has done for you and me at the cross of Calvary. He died and shed his blood. But thank God they put him in that tomb. And thank God on the third day he got up. And he's ascended back to heaven to make an intercession for you and I. I thank God for that. But I'm telling you this morning. I'm extending that scepter of God to you this morning. What do you do? Your thing. 
How you receive it is your thing. I'm telling you this morning that if you reach out and grab a hold of it, that condemnation that you're under right now is done with, over with. But you've got to reach out and grab it. We reach out and grab it like this way. Lord, take my hand. Take my hand. Take my hand, Lord. Crying in heaven and judgment day when millions of souls realized they had been holding the wrong thing all their life. Holding on to the world, holding on to this government. Well, I've been baptized. I joined a good church, thank God. But you never laid hold of that golden sceptre. I've I, I done the golden rule. I've I done the others that I would have them do unto me. You haven't grabbed it. Jesus said, you didn't do what I told you to do. You joined a church. You didn't do what I told you to do. I got baptized. You didn't do what I told you to do. I extended the acceptor to you. I'm telling you, all you have to do is reach out and grab it. You don't got to know all the sanctification, advocation, and, and, and redemption, and all this. You ain't got to know all that right now. That comes later. All you need to know right now is you got to reach out and grab the scepter and apply your life to it. Amen. I'm worried about people today. I'm worried about people today. Grabbing hold of the wrong things, holding the wrong things. No man's going to see God without coming through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. I am the life. No man come to the Father except by me. He said, I am the acceptor. I'm the scepter that's been extended to you this morning. What are you going to do about it? Reach out and grab a hold of it. Reach out and grab a hold of it. Verse number eight, it extends communication. Verse eight, by the time we get to the chapter eight, Esther's already been saved and her condemnation and her, it was over. What was the condemnation? Haman was going to destroy her. But in chapter seven, if you read chapter seven, Haman gets hanged. And the king grants her request and she she would not be destroyed, and as far as Esther is concerned, Esther's now has been established a connection with the king, ending her condemnation, but now she's saved. She's going a step further. Praise God. Now we have communion with the king. I want to know something, this wonderful picture that says, I've been saved the next time that she comes before the king is not to get saved again. She's not coming to get saved. Next time she comes and makes connection with the king, the scepter is not, it's not uh, uh, doing her to be saved. She's coming to make interceding for someone else. It's a picture of you and I. After we get saved, we don't need to come to back to the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved again. No, we've been saved now we come to Christ on behalf of those that are lost and undone. Verse number three, And Esther spake the king again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mistress of Haman. 
Agonite. And she devised that device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther, and so Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and the king seemed right before the king, and I be pleasing in his eyes, let it be written to reverse the letter devised by Haman, the son of Hamanite, and Agai, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in all the king's province. For now can I endure to see the evil that come upon my people, or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Now she's enjoying the blessings of being saved. Isn't it wonderful we talk about how we've been blessed, how we've been touched. She's coming now into the king on Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, 16. Let us therefore become bold into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need coming for someone else. So she marches right in boldly and grabs a hold of the scepter and said, I've got one more request. I need some help, King. He said, what's that got to do with us? First John 2, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiator of our sins, and not for our sins only, but for also for the sins of the whole world. We come on behalf of the world. We come on behalf of the lost to touch Jesus and ask. The night I got saved was weeping, begging God for mercy. I can tell you now, every time I come boldly to the throne of grace, knowing that he's interceding on my behalf, I now have communion with my Father through Jesus Christ. I wonder when is the last time you had a burden that weighed you down so much, that brought you to tears to the altar and cried out, God, have mercy on them. When was the last time you took advantage of the communion you have with the Father? You have established the communion with the Father when you got saved. He done away with your condemnation. Now you have a communion with Him. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. And He says, I'm here. What do you need? There's people in my life that's lost and undone. Dying and going to hell. I need you to move. I need you to touch. I need you to lift them up. And by the way, when you're doing that, lift me up and encourage me. This world is beating me down. I feel trodden down. I feel worn out. But Lord, I just know that you can lift me up and encourage me again. When's the last time you've been to the throne? <laughs> I'm telling you right here now, you can tell when somebody's been in the throne room of God. It shows. It shows. It shows. I'm going to give you an opportunity.